Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Currently with Kylie and Carly. Today we're going to be giving you guys the rundown of the playoffs that's coming up this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. There's a lot of teams that are playing, so we're kind of going to go in depth of who we think is going to win and stuff like that. We also have a very special guest on this episode. We have Skylar Berg, who is an STHM and Saga alum. And she also works for communications for the Kansas City Chiefs. So that will be interesting to talk about as well, especially in correlation with the playoffs. So to start off the playoff picture, the first game that will be played this weekend is the Jags versus the Chiefs. Jags are the underdogs for this game. Basically, everyone thinks that the Chiefs are going to win, including myself. I just don't really think that the Jags have a good enough defense to put up against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes as long as he doesn't fall under pressure. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs on this game. Then we have the Giants versus the Eagles on Saturday night. Obviously, I'll be rooting for the Eagles, as I'm sure Kylie will be. They're just the superior team, in my opinion, and they're... They're proving to be the best in the league, which they are. So that'll be a really interesting game as well. And go Birds. Yes, definitely go Birds. I have them winning this game. Giants have the 28th ranked run defense, which I just do not think will put up against our running backs. And I think we're going to have a good running game this weekend. The next game that's played on Sunday is Cowboys versus the 49ers. Now, this one, I honestly have no idea who might win. Hopefully, the Cowboys can actually make field goals this game. I am going to pick the Niners, though. Maybe that's just a little biased in me, considering I am a Birds fan. But I'm rooting for the young quarterback. And going back to the Chiefs game that is happening this weekend, we are rooting for the Chiefs through and through. As we had our guest, Skylar Berg, working in communications for the Chiefs, I know that she's rooting for them, and we're just really excited to see them win this weekend. That's it. And then the first game that's going to be played on Sunday is the Bengals and Bills. This is going to be a huge game. You know, we didn't get to see the game at the end of the regular season due to the DeMar Hamlin injury and situation, which was just extremely tragic. So I think this this game is going to be huge to watch. I'm rooting for the Bills. And I know that the Bengals have some offensive line injuries, so I think that the Bills will be able to capitalize on that and maybe get to the QB. Yeah, so it is a big weekend for the NFL. We're interested to see who wins and continue on to the next games and then ultimately the Super Bowl, so that will be really fun to keep up with. So now we're going to get into our interview with Skylar Berg. She's a very interesting woman in sport, and we're very excited to get to hear what she has to say about her experience and journey. 
connected. Well, Skyler, thank you so much for joining us today. You're our first Temple alum and Saga alum. So this is super exciting for us. And I know that you've had an interesting journey and where you are today. So we're just super excited to learn more about you and your path in sport. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is an honor. I didn't know I was the first one. Now I'm kind of nervous, honestly, that you told me that. I should not be the first one. <laughs> well, like Kylie said, we're super um, thankful that you chose to be on our podcast. Um, and then we're just going to kind of get into some questions about your career now, your time at Temple, and stuff like that. Um, so to start off, can you kind of tell us about what attracted you to Temple? What made you choose SCHM? Yeah, so what attracted me to Temple, um, a little bit of a different path. So my, my father worked for Temple University, so kind of had it with my back pocket that I was going there. I applied to some other schools um, for New Jersey, so a lot of schools in New Jersey. Um, and then Temple was my only out-of-state school that I applied to. Uh, luckily, got in. Um, and I remember I had originally signed up to be a sports and recreation management major, but before I was, you know, before experienced Temple Day, I don't know if they do that, but basically just yeah. visit campus. But, um, I remember thinking to myself, like, maybe I should switch to marketing. My cousin's in advertising and marketing. Obviously, I feel like that's a broader space. Um, I felt like, oh, I'd get a, it'd be easier for me to get a job post-graduation if I just had this broad degree. And I remember I, I went and met with uh, Dean Blackburn and uh, Miss Whitey, Dr. Taylor. And I mean, you guys know firsthand, they're incredible people, great role models for, for all um, women in sports. But... I remember just in chemistry and like I knew from that moment, like, no, like I'm supposed to be at SCHM. Like these people are in invested in me. Um, so that's from there. That's why I chose SCHM. Are you from New yeah, Jersey? I'm a similar... I am from New Jersey. Yes. Are you? I had a similar experience when I went choosing Temple. I, I almost switched my major because I thought finance would be a broader, you know, major, more job opportunities after graduation and everything. But I'm so glad I didn't change my mind last minute. For sure. And remind me what, like, great or year, whatever, whatever it's called in college. I'm, not I'm a sophomore. Okay. I'm a junior. Okay. I bet you're having fantastic experiences so yeah. far. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Kind of unlike you guys, I always knew I wanted to go to Temple. The first time I toured it, I was like, I have to go to Temple. I have to be an SCHM. And I'm from New Jersey, so I applied to, like, Rutgers. Everyone applies to Rutgers, so I just did not want to go there. Um, <laughs> so I'm so thankful I got into Temple, but I always knew I wanted to be an SCHM. And what part of New Jersey are you from again? I'm from Montclair, so kind of... Um, by New York City. Oh, is that? By New York City, like Montclair, New Jersey. Oh, okay, yeah, north. very north. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm south, so. Temple was my big school. Rutgers, uh, state school. But, yeah, yeah. yeah I've worked, I think I applied to Stockton and um, Rowan, if you've heard of Rowan, those two. Yeah, yeah. South. Yeah. So what made you want to do sports? Were you always interested and had a passion for your sport? Always had a passion for sports. Again, another unique thing. Um, my father worked in the industry when I was younger. Then he took a little bit of a hi hiatus in my like 
um, elementary, middle school years. And then uh, my last year in middle school, that's when he started to work at Temple and he works on the football team and athletics. Um, so I'd always been around it, but I always played sports. I, I would sue majority of SHM students and the majority of sports students across the country. Um, I played big boys baseball growing up. I played softball when you were old enough to play. And I remember the game, you could only take one base at a time and all that stuff. So I was like, oh, I needed more of a challenge. So I played baseball until I was playing baseball. And then I played softball for the my middle school. So I was playing both at the same time. And then at high school, I kind of just switched and just did softball from there on out. But I always played other different sports growing up. But that, that was my, my primary. Uh, so I'd always been around it. And then when I got older in terms of like middle school, high school age, uh, Matt Rule was the football coach at the Temple at that time. And he was very keen on having families around. So I was always in the building um, at 10th and Diamond. And I got to see the intricacies of different things going on. And I always told my dad, my dad works in communications. Dad, I never want to do what you do. Uh, you thought you should is behind a desk and took over keys. Like I want to be on my moving and grooving. Um, and when I got on to school and I did equipment, and my goal was to do one semester each department to kind of just feel everything out. And that's where I started to appreciate that what my dad do, does in communications is a lot more valuable than what it looks like. And that's what I do now. I do communications. So uh, if you would have told me what, eight years ago that I'd be doing communications, I would have thought you were crazy because I thought my dad was silly on it. But now I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, as an Slogan alum, I want to talk a little bit more about your time in the Sporting Governance Association. How was that for you? What benefit do you think you got out of being in Slogan? Slogan means a lot to me. I know that sounds cliche, but I don't think people don't understand the impact of it unless you're you're involved a lot, right? Whether that's as an e-board member or just as a general body, oh, no. just being involved. There's a lot of doors that get open for you. So I remember interviewing and being, I think, one or two freshmen. Yeah, I think Davis Kelly was president and I were the two freshmen that were broadband our year that we were on the board. Um, and, and I just the older older heads and they're not that old, but like Anika Singh, Ed Kaneo, Sarah Lonval, like all those guys did so much for, for us and giving us a lot of responsibility and challenging us. I remember... So I was director of professional outreach and like you guys know, like you guys reach out to people and it's, it's scary because you're always like, I would say majority of answers are no. Now, hopefully yeah, you guys are crushing the game. So it looks like you're getting a lot more yeses than I did. But um, I remember it like we'd always get turned down, get turned down, get turned down. And um, for our, our so, yeah, it was the second TSBC. I remember we were trying to crush it out of the park and it was my first one kind of getting speakers and we had gotten the contact of Stephen A. Smith. So I remember Annika after a meeting was like, just give him a call or his agent a call. I was like, she's not going to pick up like some random South Jersey number. She's not going to pick up, right? So I remember, I vividly remember going back in the corner of the room and like looking at Annika on the phone when I was like, oh, oh yeah, she's not going to pick up their ring. One that picks up and I'll get very nervous on the phone. So I had like a, like a prompt to leave a voicemail, right? But she picked up and I was like, oh, my prompt isn't ready for this. And I remember speaking. She's like, yeah, like, just send over the details and, like, I'll get it out into his calendar. No problem. Like, let's figure it out. I'm like, wait, what? I was like, didn't, so, like, it wasn't confirmed that we had Stephen at that point, but it was in the process. And 
we had everything worked out. Um, and then unfortunately COVID knocked it out of fruition, but it was, I had like, Saga teach taught me, like, don't be afraid to reach out. That's what the biggest thing that I learned from Saga was don't be afraid to reach out to yourself. And then obviously the friendships uh, that you create are thriving. I talked to Davis very often. Davis is one of my best friends and, you know, keeping up with him, Monica, even Hunter, I keep up with a lot. So. So how, um, as a woman being in a male oriented program, a CHM, um, as well as being in Saga, which is predominantly male oriented, were there any challenges that you faced or any discrimination that you faced? Discrimination at the school, I like to say no. Um, I think we're surrounded by a lot of good people, a lot of strong, you know, um, role models, right? I listed a couple earlier, right? Miss White, Dr. Blackburn, um, Dr. Taylor, Dr. Blair, Dr. Goodman, Dr. Hepburn, right? The list goes on, right? Um, so a lot of strong role models that look like me, right? And then I think the other big thing, I was literally talking about this with someone else this morning, like, Another big thing that I think was undervalued are male allies in the industry, right? Like it's so strict, especially in a male dominated industry to seek out men who value you woman is huge, right? They'll, they'll be your biggest advocate because, right? Like you guys said, male dominated industry, they're going to listen to each other. Like if they can advocate for you, it's huge. Um, so always felt comfortable. The only one time I felt like I was like, oh, like I remember like feeling like, Uneasy. I wouldn't say discriminating against uneasy was my senior seminar class. I was the only female in that class. And that was I took taking this I I took it in the spring. So like the class was a little bit different in the spring, but I remember like it never had bothered me until like I sat there and it was on Zoom and like I Dr. Giddings and I were the only two women in the little boxes. And it was like, oh wow, like I know this, but like now it's a reality for me. So that's the only time. Yeah, I know that right now there's a class that doesn't have any women in it at all. Um, so that really? was, yeah, Dr. Taylor told me about that. And it was really interesting to to hear that there was no women in there. But I agree with you that um, Dr. Blair, Dr. Heffernan, all of them, they really inspired me in a way. Because before that, it was just being in a class surrounded by men and then you had a male professor. So my experience with that was like, I would always sit in class and then if there was a bunch of guys and then a male professor, it almost felt like it was a bro type of thing where they just wanted to talk about things that are stereotypical to men. And I just felt so out of place. So I think a lot of women in the program feel that way. I don't know about you, Kylie. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm definitely one of the only females in my classes it can be intimidating sometimes when you know there's a mass conversation with all the guys in there and they're you know talking about whatever but I, it can be intimidating sometimes to want to speak in because you don't know like you know once they're gonna look at you differently just because we're females but I've had a pretty positive experience with most of my classrooms. The professors have been great. Dr. Heffernan, Dr. Taylor, Giddings, all of them so far. Yeah, I would say overall it's been pretty good. Um, the one thing, last semester I was in a class and we had a guest speaker. Um, 
And there was me and another girl in the class and the professor had this speaker on Zoom and he was talking about women in a very negative way. And he was like talking about their looks and, you know, stuff like that. And all the guys around me were just laughing. And I was like, I can't believe that this person being in the position that he's in in the professional world is sitting here talking about like how attractive the women were and all of that because it's very eye-opening that that people actually think that way about you in the industry and yeah i mean and going on that like something that i just learned from that conversation where i'm sure freshers and faculty tell you guys all the time like sitting in a classroom with those people or does your future colleagues right like terminology that we use in class right um like and i wouldn't say job interview but like like you, you kind of start to see your network, right? And like, you're like, well, that person, right? But like you're going to look back at that when you're in a power or position of power one day and these guys are going to be coming up to you and be like, oh, like, can you tell, please? And you're like, you're like, you laughed at that comment. Like, that was very, you know, upsetting for me. And like, it left an impact on me when I want to empower other women and empower men that are allies, right? Like, you know, go back to that piece of it. But like, and obviously people can grow out of yeah. things. But your impression, whether it's a first impression or just how you handle yourself in classroom every day, uh, leaves an impact on people, whether small or, or major. That's the biggest thing is your impact on people. I think I don't think I phrased that right, but yeah, I le- I left that class and I was like, I'm gonna be working with people that are gonna be making comments about like my looks and like the way I act as a woman. So that was really eye-opening for me. And it made me really upset, actually. So I was like, this is how it is, and this is what we have to deal with. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So, Skylar, have you always wanted to work in football and put a green in the NFL? So I never anticipated myself going to work, like when I started this journey of, oh, yeah, I want to work in sports. Um, I always thought college athletics just because that's what had been fresh in my mind. So my dad worked in the NFL when I was younger and like, I don't remember much of it. Um, and then when I was older and I, I remember some things like he was working in college athletics and I always enjoyed that. Then he was always around his student athletes and it was always fresh faces. And he had always given me this advice or information, I would say advice. Um, like I, I would always ask him like, oh, like, what do you, what do you like more like working professional sports or collegiate sports and he would always say that they both had their pros and cons but the biggest thing for him is when his college his student athletes would graduate right like when their playing time at the university would end there was always something positive to look forward to whether that they're going to continue their professional journey in the sport or they're going to go continue a professional journey in the business world and it was always positive they're starting families getting married all these things and for professional athletes it was always Hey, like they're 35 years old, around that, right? They're still fairly young um, in society's terms, but they know nothing but football, right? So that it was always a concern, like, are they going to be okay, right? Like they have the skills to be okay, but like mentally, right? Like the whole mental health aspect thing. Um, so it was, I always took that to heart and thought, oh, I want to be in college athletics because I'm like, that's scary to think about that stuff. Um, and Again, I played softball. My first love was baseball. Right? I love all these other sports. So, thinking about athletics, I'll be able to touch a little bit of all of it. Um, I never really considered the NFL until 
um, I was looking for senior internships and I thought like, hey, like, how would I know if the NFL is right or wrong for me if I don't try it? I thought senior internship or an internship there would kind of give me enough of a taste to know if I liked it or not. Um, so that's when I kind of started scouting, scouting out for that. And luckily ended up with the Los Angeles Rams last year and absolutely loved my time. It, it was great. Um, a ton of fun. There's a different cadence in the NFL than there is in college athletics. Um, and I, I enjoy that cadence of the work week and the bot, you know, your bye week and then your off season and all that stuff. Um, so I, I do enjoy it. I think I've had some conversations with some other people about like that have worked both professional collegiate and also for a team versus the league. And they've given, given me a lot of perspective on like, it also depends on what's going on in your personal life with family, family balance as well. Uh, so that's something that I keep in mind, right? I'm still, still fairly young, uh, and don't anticipate, don't anticipate starting a family anytime soon, but that's something that I'll keep in the back of my head. Like, again, if I had to think, you know, in the future, like staying, um, right now, personally, stay in NFL, right? Do that thing. And then as I get older, maybe transition into college athletics because I saw the benefit that my dad had for me in terms of being able to to go to school and all that stuff, kind of setting my children up for that, for that road. I think I answered the question. Hopefully. Yeah. So I know you talked a little bit earlier about how your dad has always worked in communications, but were there any other factors that made you want to go into communication? Um, I started to notice that they, people in communications have their hands on a lot more things than I saw as it did Alan. Right, like they're they're busy during the season working on game notes and and all that stuff and prepping people for the media and all that. But like they have to have all people out off the field, right? Like getting involved in these community events and helping make helping to make sure that these athletes, student athletes, become well-rounded people and not just athletes, right? Like I think a lot of people when they look at sports and you guys could probably attest to some of your classmates in this. Like I want to be a GM or I want to be a coach or this, that, and that. There's more to the, this industry than a player, an athlete, or a coach, right? And like the sponsorship side, and like great right, and stuff. Like I like being able to interact and help people find their their niche, like their thing outside of football or baseball, or basketball, whatever it is. Um, you know, knowing that there's there's other stuff out there. They're a human being at the end of it. They're not a, they're not determined by the sport that they play. Right, they're a human being and kind of trying to help them bridge that gap and realize like you are a human being. And I think more than ever now, at least for what I've been alive for, right? Like athletes are starting to realize that they have more of a platform and more of a voice than they'd had in the past uh, to to combat some things, whether it be social injustice or mental health or whatever. Uh, their whatever speaks to their heart and their passion. And people in communication can help get their voice out and talk, talk through the, talk with them through a plan of action on how they're going to get that message out. So can you talk about your experience interning with the LA Rams as a senior intern, kind of how you came across the position and what you did to get the position ultimately? And I know that was the year they won the Super Bowl. So can you talk about that experience? I'm sure it was kind of surreal for you. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so how I went about my senior internship, it was kind of like a two and a half year process. I don't know. I'm not, I haven't thought about it in a while. The math sometimes gets me all confused, but it all started around COVID. So that was my junior year. So about a year and a half-ish, no, end of sophomore years, beginning of junior year. Yeah. So year and a half-ish, two years. Um, And I remember like, and thinking, hey, like, if I'm going to do this NFL thing, like, now's the time right but if you look at it nfl nfl seasons from fall to spring right and how your classes are typically set up at schm you were typically slotted to take your internship in the spring right so i thought like well how can i make myself available in the fall so i can do this right so i started with covid i was like well now i have time to take up some summer classes so i did that to get ahead on some other stuff so it would free up my other semesters following to get seminar done in the spring as opposed to fall uh, so i did that and like i i had conversations with some people in the nfl like hey like when's a good time to reach out like this is what i'm thinking of doing like does that make sense like you know i see it through teamwork online like this is when you guys start the application process but like is that correct uh in terms of your internal side right like he was like yeah and uh, he's telling me like reach out after the Super Bowl, right before the draft, like that kind of time frame. Right, so I took the summer classes in the summer of 2019, right? Then my fall classes, spring classes, I must have been, yeah, I was in seminar, spring of 2020, no, 2020. Um, see, correct me if I'm wrong with the, the years of Sean Dimash all together. Um, and I remember after that Super Bowl, I emailed, 31 out of the 32 teams, because one team already told me, like, hey, we don't do internships. Like, so I was like, okay, like, I don't know. It, I knew him through my dad, so I was like, oh, I don't even need to bother him. Like, you already told me no. Right? So I emailed 31 teams, and I kept a, a spreadsheet log of who I reached out to, um, when I reached out to them, like, what I said, and all that stuff. Um, and I would just kind of track to see who reached out to me, what they said, right? Like, I would say... Most of the responses that I did get were like a no or like, hey, I don't, I don't know. Because again, COVID was still factoring. Like, I, we don't know what we're doing. We didn't have interns this year. We typically do. We don't know what the future looks like type thing. Uh, so I would track it. And I was ironic. I was just, someone was asking me about what I wrote to the Rams. So I, I just sent him. So I was looking through that email chain. And like, my email chain, especially with the Rams, was like, hey, yeah, like, we don't know what's going on. Like, but like, feel free to reach out to me in April if you want. So I was like, okay, so like in my spreadsheet, I wrote like reach out in April. So I, I would look at it and in April, I hit him up. I was like, hey, like, don't know what's going on. Like, I know you told me like reach out. Like, do you know anything? And he's like, hey, like, yeah, I really don't know anything that's going on. Like, but like, I, I'll let you know if I know anything. So I was like, cool. And in my head, right, based off of what I went through with Saga, you're like, nah, they're never going to hit me back up, whatever. At least like I did my part reaching back down. Right. And I remember I got a phone call. Uh, and I didn't have the number saved, so I didn't pick it up. And left a voicemail. Like, hey, this is a piece for the Los Angeles brands. Like, give me a call back. Like, I want to talk about this internship. I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, of course I missed. Of course I missed that call, right? So I call him back. But he doesn't pick up. I'm just, like sweating bullets at this point. And I like sent him an email. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. I missed your call. Like, please don't, like, call me back whenever. Like, I, I have your phone number saved this time. And, uh, Went into the weekend and here for him. I was like, great. Blew my shot. Fantastic. Uh, 
And then I heard back from him and he's like, hey, like, do you want to do an interview tomorrow? Like, we'll set up a Zoom, whatever. I was like, yeah, of course. Like, of course I'm interested. Yeah, sign me up for the Zoom. Let's do it. So we did it and went went really well. Right, was offered, I think, a much longer in detail than I needed to on this part of the question. But anyway, got it, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember I had, this was the first time I was away from home for a very long time. Early, right? Like I, we talked about growing up in South Jersey, went to school in Philadelphia, 30, 40 minutes away. Had never lived more than an hour outside uh, home in my family. Uh, so going cross country was, was huge for me in, in that regard. And I remember like I had some other offers that were on the East Coast and they would have been fantastic opportunities. Don't get me wrong. But like I was like, what's going to push me both professionally and personally? It was the one in in LA. So I did that. And I remember training camp was extremely rough for me in terms of like, I was still getting accustomed to living right time-wise three hours behind my, like all my friends and family. I was trying to meet new people that I've never met. A lot of them are older than me, right? I'm a college student. I hadn't, I wasn't even 21 yet. So I was 20 when I first went out there. And like all the people I'm working with are either like 24, 25, or like 40, 50 years old. All right. So like, there's no, like there is common ground, but not extreme common ground. Everyone's a college graduate except, except me. Then you have the whole professional athletes and the coaches involved in it. And it's like just an extreme dynamic because the Rams go away for training camp. So it's just the football staff. So again, I'm the only college student with all these college graduates, some millionaires, some not. Uh, so it was just a really weird experience. And I remember like sitting on the phone, crying to my mom and dad every night, like, I can't do it. Like, I want to come home. I just can't. Like, I knew I could get through it. Like, if I got through it, it'd be fine. But like, I, there were some days where I was like, I'd look at our plagues home because like, I didn't think I was going to make it. But I, I knew something that was going to pay out if I just did it. Um, so stuck through it. And, um, it was a fantastic experience. Again, I'm sorry. We're rambling on and on and on. Uh, both of you. I guess I'll go to the Super Bowl part of it. And that was part of the question. Yeah. Wow. So, Super Bowl, I mean, yeah, and I, I look back at pictures and videos from it, like, every so often, because, I mean, it's still fresh in my memory, for sure, and there's a lot of people that I was, like, my some of my closest friends were my coworkers last year, and, like, we'll, like, we have a group chat that still, that still exists to this day, and we'll send, like, funny videos and make little memes out of it, like, oh, but, like, one of those names, Micah, like, Micah, like, you can turn this weekend, like here, like, and sends him a video, like what it looked like when he was and, and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I think some to someone at SCHO about this last year in terms of like between the NFC championship game to the Super Bowl, like you have those two weeks, but like there's so much going on that you can't even sit down to process it. Um, and I don't think I processed it until, like, I think I'm still processing a lot of it in terms of what goes on, right? Because at least from a communications and PR standpoint, right? Like you have production day. So NBC comes back out and they take headshots and videos of every single one of your guys. Not only your 53, but like your perhaps one guys are going through that just in case someone gets pulled up, right? So that's a whole day. And watching them set up was pretty unique because that's a more than one day process. Um, setting up these tents and all that stuff and like working with our operations staff in terms of like, hey, do we, like the logistics, like do we have the space to do this? Um, our security staff in terms of like, hey, like these are the people that are coming in at this time, like are we cool with that, like all that stuff. Um, so getting that set up for a day, right? Like 
they use it for a day and they break it down like that. Um, and then going through the whole um, car wash is what we call it in terms of like all the different interviews that guys are doing, you know, throughout the week. Um, we had a spreadsheet log of um, who was doing what on one day. And I think we were up to like over a hundred entries in one week. And it was like, this is insane. Like I, I know specifically I handled, we had an international player last year who did a playing. He was on the practice squad, but he had, I feel like he had like three interviews a day. I was like, dude, what are we doing? And like, they're at bizarre hours because it was in Germany. And he's from Italy, and but like, he did interviews in Germany and whatnot. And I was like, dude, we're waking up at like 5 a.m. to get these interviews done because like, or or the people in Germany are waking up at button, whatever it was. It was just like the weird time zones and handled me mad, right? Because again, part of our job is to make sure the players and coaches can focus on football, right? Especially with the Super Bowl, like, they should not be thinking about anything else. So it's all just to kind of manage their time and like, hey, like, you have lived from seven to eight, but you got, you have a 15 minute window, bet- like, before meetings, like, that's what we're going to knock it out. Like, just come to my office, we'll get it done. All right. So, like, kind of being in tune and, and knowing the schedule and making sure your players trust you, right? So, like, again, through training camp, through the regular season, you're making sure you, you're interacting with guys, maybe that you don't even handle just in case to when you're getting to the Super Bowl, they trust you. They know, know like, hey, Skyler's going to know my schedule in and out, and so there's somebody else for success so I can just throw the ball. Long-winded answer. Hopefully I answered something. Sorry. I, you couldn't notice I'm a, I'm a talker, and I'll just talk about No, that was really interesting. Um, so what was your transition like from being a senior intern working for the LA Rams during a Super Bowl victory to being a recent graduate working for the Chiefs, and how did that kind of differ? Um... I will say my interview, or I guess my interview process in terms of like going from the Rams, the Chiefs was a little bit different, right? Like I didn't email every single team. I had applied to some things. Um, I thought I was going to be staying in LA, but some things fell through. And so I was driving across the country back to New Jersey. And uh, my father and I like stopped to see friends and family and whatnot. And yeah, my dad he used to work in the league, so he knew Coach Rivera. He, He'd work for Coach Reed in Philadelphia. So he wanted to stop by and say hi to him and whatnot. So I stopped by to, to meet with the PR staff because I, there were some people I had emailed a year ago, right? And like we had kept in contact because ironically, or I shouldn't say ironically, but one of my curve bosses now um, is a woman in sport. And like she is, I don't even say one of, she is the best at what she does. So she was extremely impactful for me to, you know, keep in touch with during the season, like, hey, like, but look this week or whatever, like, you know, I knew like if I needed advice or needed to lean on her for anything, like I could have. Um, so I really wanted to meet her person, never had done that. So when we were driving through Kansas City, we stood out, right? My dad went to go watch practice or OTAs. I had lunch with the PR staff and like we hit it off. And I remember looking at my dad and going like, hey, like, you know, like this would be a great, great staff to work with. Like they're they're great. Uh, their energy is great. Their their chemistry together, the three of them, is fantastic. Um, and they had talked about like they already had their interns or whatever. And I was like, Dad, I'm like, I'm a stall. Like, that would have been awesome. All right. So we were driving back across country, stopped other places, got home, had gotten some emails from some other teams that I had been in contact with for interviews and did those. And then my mentor, who's my boss now, like called me and was like, Hey, look. I have a weird question. Like, would you be interested in interning here? Or like, 
I'm like, yeah, like, is there something mm-hmm. open there? Like, yeah, like, we, we do have one more position open. Like, if you'd be interested in an interview for it, like, we'd love to interview you. I'm like, sign me up, you're right? So next day interview, and then the following event day, like, it was a it was a three-day process, really. And they said, hey, do you want to come out here? And I was like, of course. Um, so packed my stuff up and drove that. But um, it's, I mean, both... Both the Rams and the Chiefs are both world-class yeah. organizations. Um, they're different in their ways, but the one main factor is that they're world-class organizations with world-class employees, um, obviously phenomenal athletes and coaches. Um, that goes without saying, but the people that they have making up their buildings and their their organizational structure are just phenomenal human beings and then obviously phenomenal um, in their industry or detail. Are your roles and responsibilities any different? You're at the Chiefs versus the Ram. Um, I would say they're they're very similar uh, in terms of again uh, roster management, keeping that up to date, um, keeping all the player bios up to date, uh, writing releases in terms of so for our weekly release, putting together packets for the media and for our broadcast excuse me broadcast crew of what's going on like. What records could be broken this week? Uh, you know, where are guys at statistically across the league and all that stuff? Doing the same stuff that I've had. Um, I would say some some new things that I've been exposed to here is uh, the corporate side. So the difference, be- or one of the differences between the Rams and the Chiefs as of right now, or when I was with the Rams and now that I'm with the Chiefs, the Rams, since they had just moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles, they have two separate buildings. So I, I wasn't, I was in a football building. I was never with corporate. So never ever got exposed to that side of things and never thought I'd be interested in that side of things either. Um, here in Kansas City, they've been here for 50, 60 years. So there's one building, you know, top to bottom, football and uh, business. And I've been exposed to, to a lot of the corporate side of these things. And it's been extremely interesting, you know, extremely fun to learn that side. Uh, something that I've... I was interested in last year because of my exposure with the international players, the international expansion of the NFL in general. So getting to kind of see the Chiefs approach. So we have um, international markets rights in Mexico, Germany. So kind of seeing how they're attacking uh, both markets and the different, I mean, the two completely different countries, right? So like your marketing, it's, your marketing strategy for both of them and then also for the United States is there are three different strategies. So kind of just seeing that is interesting and, and being mm-hmm. a part of that is cool. So now that the Chiefs are going into the playoffs, how has kind of your roles and responsibilities Harry, been? I think you're on year. So now that you are, um, the Chiefs are going into the playoffs, how have your roles and responsibilities kind of ramped up? So I'm not gonna lie, we since we had the first week my week, we weren't in the office much this week. So nothing, at least for me, nothing's changed. Obviously, things are gonna be heightened in terms of uh, credentialing, right? So we're gonna have a home game next week. Uh, our credentialing is just probably, I would assume, just based off of experience last year, the volume's just gonna be more because uh, there's less teams, more coverage, right? Um, but. I think the key thing, at least for my role, right, and football, um, is keeping that cadence, right? Don't treat this game any differently than you would have treated last week's game, right? I know it's cliche, and I was talking about talking 
with one of my coworkers about this this morning. Like, it's cliche. It's football. Like, it's so that, but it, it really is. You take it one week at a time, right? Treat one, treat this week as you did every other week, right? Like the whole superstitious thing, right? Like, I wouldn't say it's superstitious, but it's just being in that cadence, right? Because I said we, a lot of our role is to to be steady for our, our athletes and our coaches so they can focus on football, right? Like, if we're, like, scrambling because it's playoffs, like, I'm not saying that we had that much influence on the football, on, like, you know, the coaches and the players, but, like, there's energy, right? Like, you, people pick up on other people's energy. If you're stressed, other people around you are going to be stressed, and how is that going to affect the product on the field? You never want to be the reason why a team loses, right? So nothing, I mean, we're going to have more work to do, but nothing that I know our department and the people that I work with can't handle. They're, I mean, they're more than qualified. And I mean, they, they're experts. My, my, um, what's the proper word, but like the other interns I work with are phenomenal. They're big over and beyond on everything. I know they're going to crush it. And this is both of their, this is their first years in the NFL. And like, they're phenomenal. They're going to crush it when they're full-time next year. I, I can't wait to see their, their growth too. So that is our interview with Skylar. We hope that you guys enjoyed, learned a lot from her and found her journey interesting as she is now on the Chiefs and was on the Super Bowl team last year. No, And worked for the Rams last year as they won the Not the Super Bowl team. <laughs> and worked for the Rams last year when they won the Super Bowl. So it was super cool to hear her journey. And make sure to check out our social media. Our Instagram is currently pod. And our Twitter is currently pod KC. And yeah, just make sure to stay tuned for the next episode and our next guest that will be joining us. Peace out.